0: to our next episode of voices of biotech in this episode i sit down with the two co-ceos of the femtech association asia lindsey davis and Micah steinbach we discuss what femtech is and why it's important why they founded this association and what their overall mission is Welcome, Lindsay and Micah. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Just to begin with, I think if you could both introduce yourself, how you know each other, and the work that you guys are doing together at the moment, then that would be a good place to start. Sure, that sounds great. Anna, thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure
1: to see you again and actually get (laughs) to talk with you. Um, Thank you for also taking the call early in the morning and our afternoon, obviously, (laughs) with me based in Singapore and Micah based in Hong Kong and, and you over in the UK. Um, so, my name is Lindsay Davis. I'm the founder and co-CEO of the FemTech Association Asia, which is the region's first and largest professional association for, or, or network for investors, professionals, founders, anyone with a passion and a core focus on improving women's health through technology solutions. So, we're currently across nine countries. Um, we cover over 15 categories of femtech. Um, And starting before anything else, I realized I always dive into femtech without even saying what femtech is. So my background is actually in the luxury space, operations, customer experience, and strategy. And when I moved to Singapore, um, I was kind of looking for a new challenge. And, And with that came women's health, uh, because I've always been really passionate about women's health and women's wealth, obviously, as, as how we can you know build gender equality and gender equity. And so in the health field, I felt like my background, a lot of it is with community building, and therefore, and, and a lot of um, board positions. So I launched the association Seeing the Gap in the Market and have kind of yeah, built it from uh, October of 2021 until we're sitting here in June of 2023 today. And we're, we're still mm. ticking along.
2: So everything looks great for growth. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for having me here today with Lindsay. Um, so I, my name is Mike Stenobach and I've lived in Hong Kong for the last 13 years. Um, I spent uh, the last probably 20 plus years of my career in financial services in in leadership roles. And as I kind of grew my career, I became very passionate around how I can support a more inclusive um, ecosystem around financial services and technology. So I've been a big advocate for larger female participation and gender equality in the workspace. And it wasn't until I kind of went through my own um, reflection about my own career and my family life together with you know, having three children and taking care of my own well-being that I started to realize that my passion for female empowerment and my passion for technology was really about how we can use technology to democratize the well-being of women. How can we make women's lives easier so that they can actually do whatever they need to do in the workplace, as well as as primary caregivers? Um, so I first heard about the term femtech in 2018 when I was in between jobs. I organised a seminar for the Hong Kong Trade and Development Council on femtech, which was actually quite funny because we were able to talk about anything except sex um, and <laughs> sexual wellness. Um, but I further, um, you know, expanded that interest. Uh, By going to sex tech school during uh, during COVID, when everybody was was doing kind of MIT and Harvard courses, I was really curious to see what was happening in the women's health space in a little bit more depth. And that's when I saw that Lindsay had actually set up the Femtech Association of Asia. Um, And I called her and I said, oh, my God, you're living my dream. This is really what I want to be spending my time on. Um, And it took me two more years to finally bring up the courage, um, but also to kind of identify what it is that I really wanted to spend my time on. Um, And that was, you know, further my career in in femtech and women's well-being. Um, So very grateful for um, Lindsay to give me the opportunity to become the co-CEO of the association and expand the reach now from from southeast asia also into north asia so that we can capture the complete e- ecosystem and basically make sure that we yeah that we cover all the representations and and put asia on the map for fin- for femtech basically so i think it really is a, a
1: multifaceted ecosystem in which we're operating and what we're trying to do is basically take our backgrounds that are you know diverse we both come from very different fields But putting those together, knowing that our extensive management and and the blessing of many years of experience allow us to apply that to the women's health industry now and and provide some leadership, provide a voice for the region, as Micah mentioned, um, and, and really help raise the profile and amplify the industry. Because right now we look at Asia About a year and a half ago, quoted as about 14% of femtech businesses in the world are based out of Asia, and we feel that given kind of the population growth over here, um, so much opportunity and development happening in Asia, we really feel like, you know, this is going to be one of the most, if not the most impactful region for the industry, as well as for consumer, female consumers, and, and those with women's
0: healthcare needs, obviously, inclusively, not just women, but anyone with women's healthcare needs. Amazing. And you've both sort of talked about how this is a growing field in space and also with female empowerment and the need to talk about women's health. But was there a particular moment for you, Lindsay, where you decided to start this association? Um, I think, you know,
1: so much of it is I kind of look at that triangle that I think a lot of people have, which is how they start entrepreneurship, perhaps, or maybe it was just me, um, curiosity, purpose and passion. So I think I've always been passionate about, you know, gender equality, gender equity, women's rights, um, developing women, women's women in leadership, all of the things that, you know, we care about. So I've always been mm-hmm. passionate about that. Uh, as far as curiosity, I think to Micah, Micah and I had definitely have that in common. We came from very different backgrounds and we saw something that not only we felt like was an industry that was going to be the future and was going to be growing exponentially the way people saw maybe SusTech a few years back. And now we see, you know, sustainability, just a really a huge, a huge industry. So I think we see that for FemTech. Um, and then finally, when it comes to purpose, it's pretty easy to say, you know, not only is this functional from a commercial perspective, it actually, you know, fulfills the financial needs, um, but also, you know, it's, it's actually making change for women and taking something that right now femtech is known for being quite focused on a premium audience and actually taking that wider and actually making sure that we have um, women's health solutions that are available, accessible, and affordable for all women. And, and that is the purpose, I think, that we have, and also our vision as Femtech Association Asia. Of course, we want to grow businesses. Of course, we want more founders. Of course, we need more investment. We want to be better represented and have more research. But ultimately, it comes down to making sure that we are providing solutions for all women, not just women who you know might be able to be in a, a economic position to afford it. So it really is around that availability and accessibility and affordability.
0: And just going into a bit more detail. Can you please tell me sort of what the association is doing to sort of improve accessibility and equality within the femtech
2: space? So at the moment, I think we have around 130 plus members that kind of represents around 60 femtech companies in in Asia, and it's kind of growing day by day. So the Femtech Association is now covering nine different countries um, in Asia, which which we're just super excited about, because one of the pillars that we're working on is just building the community. So making sure that that these companies that have been there for a while, um, but basically connect with each other through the Femtech Association and whether they are investors or whether they are founders or whether they are industry like pharma or insurers that they have a platform where they can actually connect with each other. Uh, So we try and give them the opportunity for uh, meetups. Uh, So through our programming, we basically organize uh, officially four events per year, but the reality is that every month uh, there is either something online or a face-to-face activity where people can, can connect. And what we try and do is show the thought leadership Um, that is happening in this in this space so Lindsay before I arrived had actually launched a consumer survey both in in the Philippines and in Singapore and we're actually going to be launching it in Hong Kong as well we use our LinkedIn uh, page which which has significant amount of followers now but to really showcase what is happening in this space and start to bring the kind of the the conscious the unconscious to the conscious uh, because i we feel that the first step to kind of building and growing this ecosystem is just starting to have the the conversations and to have the connections and that's why the fourth fourth pillar apart from the community building kind of the programming that we have for our members and then the thought leadership is the amplification so lindsay and i are quite active in you know making sure that people understand why femtech is important, how it can benefit economies, how it can benefit corporates, how it actually can benefit overall society because healthier women are happier women are more productive, and even supporting femtech founders as as an investment actually creates better opportunities uh, for all of us. So we we try and position ourselves as an association in, in the press, Uh, We participate in panels. You know, we just try and do as much as we can to create uh, a voice uh, for Femtech in Asia. I think it's
0: fantastic work that you're doing. And I'm just interested. Do you think that Femtech is misrepresented often or not represented enough? Like what are your thoughts on the space as a whole? Because I think. It has grown, as you said earlier, Lindsay, quite rapidly in the last few years. But what are your opinions on how it's represented? So women's health has historically been
1: under-researched, underserved and underfunded. And that's not Asia specific. That, that really is globally. So I think we do have that background of women's health being a bit um, not in the conversation or not a lead conversation point. So I think femtech overall, having, having a space, the way we see fintech, proptech tech, agritech, I think femtech does deserve, and it's wonderful to see that having a, a space for the industry in particular. I think it's wonderful to have its own space, given that what we see in our association and is tracking with pretty consistent global numbers is that about 80% of our founders are female. So I think it's nice to also have a space where it really feels like, of course, we're inclusive and we have wonderful male founders and co-founders as well. Um, And, you know, those who, you know, identify however they identify, we welcome all founders. I think it's nice to have that diversity and to really allow that to have its space and its voice, as we like to use the word voice a lot, because that's really what it is, is being a part of the conversation with a voice. Eventually, would love to have femtech be something that falls under health tech. And we all just generally think about something that's as prioritized as as men's health, pediatric health, whatever it may be. But we're not quite there yet. So I think for now, seeing femtech as something that is talked about, that there's real passion for, we have a number of people who reach out to the association who say, just, I'd love to help you on a volunteer basis. You know, I just, whatever Mm. I can do, I'm interested in it. I'd love to give, these are lawyers. These are, you know, heads of strategic partnerships at tech firms. These are, um, you know, senior leaders at investment banks. So the fact that this really does resonate because I think we, as, as, as women, or again, those with women's healthcare needs, we we've had challenges with menstruation. I know what that's like if someone has, has cramps, right. Or, You know, we've had Mm. fertility challenges or we've gone through childbirth. I know what it's like to maybe not get pregnant, you know, so Mm. and and to want a child. So I think we can really relate to each other. And so I think Femtech having its own space is really important for the consumer view. I think it's important for Mm -hmm. the founder view, as I mentioned, with the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think it's important for the investors that they understand this as a category of pretty significant growth at this point. Um, and, I, and I get pretty excited about that. In 2020, um, or was it 2021? I think it was, or maybe even 2022. McKinsey wrote that venture capital and private equity investments in digital health in Asia have grown 38% CAGR from 2015 to 2020. And in 2020, Asia compromised 44% of global venture capital and private equity investments in digital health. We know that there is growth, and about 3% of that was in Femtech. So a bit of a yeah, long answer, yeah. but clearly something I feel passionately about. I'm glad Femtech has its, its own space and is able to really normalize the conversation around women's health by putting a commercial um, angle to it, which it very much is a commercial proposition.
2: Yeah, I think that is that what, what Lindsay just mentioned about the commercial opportunity and highlighting is something that I'm personally very passionate about, having a business background. So I think there is still a lot of perception that women's health is a niche market. But actually, firstly, we're half of the population. We basically have around 80 um, percent of all household decisions around spending are made by women. Um, So this is a really important demographic to take into consideration because they take care of the health care of their children, their partners, their parents. And apart from that, also about 30 percent of all the spending that they do is actually particularly related to their own well-being. So it's spending money on period care, spending money on menopause, spending money on fertility. So this is actually a really important demographic and actually a really interesting investment opportunity. And to be honest, that's actually how I started in femtech, because I just my 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 journey, my career in femtech started actually as an investor uh, because I was just meeting these amazing founders that were just solving, like Lindsay mentioned, real world problems for real women. Uh, And I I felt so passionate about having to support them. Uh, So that's how I started my journey as an investor. And I really hope that with the advocacy and and the amplification that we do, the programming, that we can make that visible to more and more people to participate in this space.
0: I think it's really interesting that you have obviously both brought out the sort of social side of it in terms of equality, but also the commercial side of it and the opportunities that are there. I think it's really important that both of you kind of in conjunction. That was kind of talking, I guess, more about femtech space as a whole. But in terms of within femtech landscape within Asia, I think that's quite often underrepresented or not talked about. Are there any sort of main messages that you think the listeners should know or what the space is looking like specifically within Asia? Sure. I think there's a, a couple things to start with. Um, I think the first thing is just looking at
1: where our femtech companies are based geographically. Currently, Singapore um, is where we have the majority of our businesses. And we think a lot of that is because the Femtech Association Asia has kind of selected and worked for Singapore to be the hub of Femtech throughout Asia. It is an easy place to do to do business and a very, you know, uh, entrepreneur friendly environment here. So it's a great place to start a business. So I think, first of all, just noting that. Singapore is kind of you know the place for the majority of the businesses and for MVP. So a lot of minimum viable product, testing out the market, pivoting, figuring out exactly what that product service or solution or, or technical solution looks like. As far as expansion goes, the Philippines is uh, the Philippines um, and Indonesia are the two markets that typically businesses out of Singapore go next for growth. Having said mm-hmm. that, since Mike has come on and this is a lot of her network and influence, uh, a little bit north of us in Hong Kong, we're seeing a ton of growth there. So, Micah, maybe you want to share a little bit about the categories or the founders or what you're seeing in Hong Kong, because we've seen some really amazing growth there and, and new members joining.
2: Yeah, I think both Hong Kong and Singapore are very fortunate to have pretty good healthcare systems already in place. Um, so, what we are seeing is people that are really focusing on kind of topics that are taboo or carry stigma. So this is in the sexual wellness, sexual education space. We are seeing more and more, particularly younger people, both men and women actually really want to change the stigma and taboo that exists around sexuality. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, On the other hand, we also see more and more uh, companies that are Trying to create solutions in the B2B space. So, um, Anna, you're based in the UK. You know, there's quite a progressive dialogue going on around menopause, for example, in the workspace. Um, so, I think we are starting to see more companies that are now interested in this space and how we can support employees as they go on their well being journey. So, that could be for pregnancy, for fertility, and for menopause. So, I'm very excited mm-hmm. about what is happening in that space. In Hong Kong Um, and I'm hoping uh, that we will see more of that particularly coming out of China as well um, that we can tell you tell you about next time in the in the next podcast.
0: Definitely I have to get an update and we've spoken kind of about what you guys have done so far but what is next for Femtech Association of Asia?
2: Yeah, I think what is interesting, as I mentioned, is we really want to continue to build the ecosystem and expand it. So get more and more companies, female uh, femtech founders to join. But we also really want to complement the ecosystem and get more corporates on board. Uh, So similar to the developments that we saw in the fintech industry, Eventually, the ecosystem is about collaboration. So how can we bring more corporates to the table and more venture capitalists in? That's something that we're actively focusing on. I think the other thing is also, as I mentioned earlier already, just continue to address the taboo and the stigma that exists around women's health. We just need to try and continue to drum Bang the drum on that um, thirdly, we also want to raise the profile of Asia in the global ecosystem. so as Lindsay already mentioned, I would say US and Europe are kind of ahead of the pack, but the reality is is that the consumers are actually in Asia so half of the population are women and out of that half of the population more than half of them actually live here in Asia Pacific. so we really want to grow the ecosystem by showing the opportunities that exist for companies to come into Asia but also for investors to invest in these companies so that we can continue to create uh, an opportunity to improve women's lives and finally I think what we're just adding on to that is how can we support companies that have technology or great ideas from the rest of the world and bring them into Asia because they might not be here or they might not be solutions that people have thought about locally yet and that we can use uh to showcase and and develop in certain markets in particular.
0: Mm-hmm. Lindsay,
2: anything you wanted to add? No, I think that's a, I think that's a, a fair, fair uh, strategic
1: summary. The one thing I would say is that Anna, we're working on really how to develop a work week that's uh, 80 hours instead of 40 hours a week. So if we can just solve more hours in a week, then I think we'll have nailed it. So we obviously have a bit of, have a bit of work to do because, you know, like you said, this is a lot of work to do, but there is a really bright future in Femtech. Our founders are brilliant. The ecosystem is, is growing. The ecosystem has purpose, has passion, has curiosity, as I described myself having earlier. I think we definitely have that in common over here. And I think... You know, we we have so much to do to work towards that uh, accessible, available, and affordable healthcare for all women, um, and throughout Asia, really is where Micah and I are focusing. But we hope that someday that's global. And in the meantime, we're going to do our part um, to bring you know healthcare to as many women as possible the work we're doing in the FemTech Association Asia. So, you know, thank you so much for having us today,
0: Anna. It's really good. I feel like I want to go through everything you've heard about. Definitely, it's been great having you guys. And I think just to reaffirm to the listeners, I think what you're doing is so interesting because you really are bringing that financial and corporate and investor perspective, as well as focusing on the social implications of FemTech. And I think the combination is really exciting. Yeah, thank you
2: so much. We are very excited that you gave us the platform to talk about today. Um, Lindsay and I are very excited about how this ecosystem is buzzing in Asia. And we hope to bring a lot of that Asian buzz to the rest of the world. So thank you for having us. (laughs)
1: Thank <laughs> you.